When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello everyone and welcome to Oh What A Night, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. Uh, you're joining us today after Spurs have just drawn one all away at Southampton, who are down to 10 men. Um, on the pod today, Jude Summerfield, Hunter Godson, Dan Kilpatrick from the Evening Standard. Uh, who was there yesterday and who TV'd it yesterday? Well, Dan went down, the brave man that is down to the South Coast. <laughs> I went down. <laughs> I had a hideously bad train journey back with oh, no. <laughs> the lads, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Otherwise. And Hunt and Jude from the safety of your couch. Yeah, from the safety of the couch. Didn't realise it was on Amazon till about 70 minutes in. So that was fun. Yeah. So we're all about <laughs> all about five minutes behind, which is great. <laughs> for oh, the whole no, thing. No. Yeah. That's how they do it. That's how they do it. Hmm. So I, I was, uh, I, I mean, I'm in foreign parts, but thankfully was able to get it on my phone. Mm. Um, and <laughs> it was just one of those games I felt like where my body was getting wound tighter and tighter and tighter with mm. every passing minute. You have the same thing, Hunter. You're sitting there by the end like, oh, just kick it in the goal. I, I, felt, a bit like, <laughs> I felt a bit like my dad. I, I kept getting up and going like making cups of tea and then coming back and sort of hoping that... Uh, Spurs had done something, uh, sort of walking around. You know when you start sort of pacing, because it's yeah, you're just yeah. watching the same thing over and over. Yeah, so and it did. It felt like we would like Spurs were obviously. It could have gone either way. Like, make no mistake, Southampton were on the ropes, but uh, it did feel like we were just seeing copy and paste, copy and paste. Let's try this again. All right, we're going to go down here, and he's going to have to cut back and cross in and. You know, it almost worked, and Harry Kane has that moment right at the end as well, where it almost works. But yeah, it was a, uh, it was, it was frustrating. It was definitely frustrating. Did, you, did anyone find themselves looking at Carl Walker Peters and be like, "Come on, Carl, let one through you." <laughs> <laughs> that one at the end, definitely. That did one at the end. Think, Carl. <laughs> yeah, well, he almost did because he sort of lost the ball over his head, and Harry's behind him. Um, but yeah, he couldn't quite get it down on target. Uh, Dan, what what was Conte like from your vantage point? Was he losing it or? Good question. I wasn't really on Conte cam too much, although he was just below the press box. But I think he was kind of as animated as ever. I want to say, yeah. although that's a bit of a cop out. But yeah, I think he was. He's always on his feet. He's he's a, he's a kind of good watch, and 
Spurs have cottoned onto that, haven't they? Because they've got the oh yeah, the camera running <laughs> after, after the game now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the phrase Hunter used before we started recording, and the phrase that I used in it in a couple of follow pieces from the game is is kind of work in progress. And I think that was pretty much how I felt about it. Learning to kind of break down teams that are happy to sit in and, and defend like that and are playing for a point in the circumstances, which obviously Saints were when, when they went down to 10 and Spurs equalised. That's part of becoming a, a really good side and, you know, City know how to do it. Mm. Liverpool do. Um, even Tuchel's Chelsea, I think, have, have kind of struggled with it and, and are still not fully there with it. And, and that's obviously something uh, Spurs have, have got to learn under Conte. And I do think they will get there, but historically that's, been a problem for Spurs, I think, over the last couple of years. Um, and they're still a side, I think, who just need sort of space and time to score, really. Um, and we saw that on the counter against Liverpool and, and Palace really well. You know, given space, Spurs are getting better and better in front of goal, but denied that space, it's still a bit of a slog. And that's what it felt like for, you know, 50 odd minutes against Saints. Mm. Sorry, go on, go on. I was just going to say, it, it, sort of, and I don't always want to bring this back to, oh, Pochettino was such a brilliant man. But I just remember those first few years. He was a great of, man. Of, of Pochettino. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make no mistake, he was a great man. Um, but it, feel, it felt for a long time that Spurs were in a perpetual state of 1-1. <laughs> or we'd go 1-0 up and then we'd concede later on. And it did feel a little bit like that, to be honest, where we were just... Mourinho was the perpetual state of 1-1. <laughs> Yeah, but there's different states to be in, right? Yeah. Like with Pochettino, it felt like we should have won. With Mourinho, it was like we were lucky to hang on to a point in the end. So, yeah, but like in all seriousness, he has still got that at PSG. Like he's got that in such a big way, that weird 1 mm. 1 thing against some rubbish teams as well. He's done it. And he mm. does still keep getting late goals. It, yeah. The amount of times I've had that where I've watched PSG and had that deja vu of, Oh yeah, I remember that. Abandoned <laughs> goal in the 60th minute for no reason whatsoever, and now yeah. you have to fight and chase and work out at the end whether a one-all draw is a good result or whether that's absolutely naff. Mm. It's like the French equivalent of West Brom because we always seem to <laughs> always seem to draw. Like, yeah. who's, the, who's their equivalent of Chris Brunt? Like, <laughs> fella playing for Angers or something. <laughs> uh, dude, a couple of comparisons. Just thinking about what the guys were saying. A couple of comparisons. Um, f- with some other teams. So Chelsea had the game against Villa recently. It was one all, and they ended up ripping through Villa by the end. Uh, Liverpool against Leicester yesterday, even though Liverpool didn't get the goal, I felt like it, it was very, very different. They had the record for most touches in the box without scoring a goal. Spurs didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like Spurs were bursting into the air and slicing through a wheel in Southampton and were clinging on for their life. They just sort of kept us out. Yeah, I mean, Spurs didn't move the ball particularly quickly yesterday. Um, I, I do feel they had a few too many sort of samey players on, especially like I think Hoybia could have been hooked a little earlier just so they could get a more um, a more progressive passer because he was trying like his little flicks um like round the corner and they just weren't coming off. They were being like, picked off by the Southampton defense who were very happy to just grab it and boot it clear. Um but yeah it, it felt like while we were we were pinning them in it wasn't like chance after chance and 
like when Davinson Sanchez, who like defended pretty well, but when he got when he was offering himself as like the right on the right side next to Emerson, I, I didn't feel like he had the quality to put in a good ball for someone to nod in. He's not that ball playing defender that you know might might be able to split open a defense. Um, but I, honestly, I just think it's a little hiccup, and it'll be one they one they learn from hopefully. Attention parents and students, we have an incredible exclusive offer from our friends at ProPrep. This is the perfect study tool for university students undertaking science, technology, engineering or maths related modules. It can halve your study time. ProPrep provides bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course which can be accessed from any device at any time. It has already helped over 500,000 students to pass their exams. They provide customised STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. And after the videos, you can go through what you've just learned with interactive exercises and practice questions so you'll be ready. You can even submit questions to the ProPrep professors and receive a video answer within 24 hours. ProPrep created a special offer just for our listeners. All you need to do is go to their website proprep.uk forward slash info forward slash football for more information and our listeners can sign up for a free 30-day trial now no credit card information required that's p-r-o-p-r-e-p dot uk forward slash info forward slash football proprep the ultimate study tool should, should we get stuck into the good bits then? Let's get stuck into the bits that were nice. I'll, I'll, I'll chuck one out to begin with. Harry Winks. Seemed to, seemed to have taken his chance again, Hunter? Yeah, I think what, what we've always said about Harry Winks is that he, um, he thrives when Spurs are trying to go forward, basically, when there's a bit of drive and thrust. He's could have been told to get on the ball, but especially looking forward and playing forward passes. He some absolutely, including the goal that's ruled out for offside. That I mean, unbelievable. I'm still annoyed to be honest, but it was perfect. <laughs> you can't play a better pass than that. Straight into his into his pass with a nice weight, and he and he picked up the ball quite confidently off the centre backs, which, which I've had a bit of problem off our central midfielders for the last few years. Is no one wanting to go and get the ball off the centre backs and playing through the middle and. And making things happen, he get he got caught a couple of times. Once he then made the recovery sort of tackle, but you need him to be doing that. You need him to be taking risks in there, and your central fielders have to. And he is still sort of rough um, in terms of not having played that much football in the last couple of years. So, but it's really positive signs. I like the way Harry Winks plays football. I think that I definitely think there's a player in there, and and I think you know there's a, after the Liverpool game. A lot of chat about oh, I know I said on Gilthing Ellie should go out on loan and Harry Wing should stay and I thought of him Yeah, his weight weight of pass was really nice yesterday, Dan. Um, and he seemed to pick up those positions in that kind of anchor spot where he's free to clip over the top, but he could make those sort of sharp twenty yard driving passes into feet in front of him as well. Yeah, I thought he initially struggled with 
press. Um, Very good at There was one That's point great. where he, he kind of put into trouble, but then he got back and, and then stepped in the box. And I thought he was having a bit of a comfortable afternoon. But then actually, he really turned the game on its head with that pass for Son. And, and I think I'm right in saying he kind of beats Ward Prowse's press in the build up to that. He just kind he of does. pushes it past. Yeah. Beat the press really nicely, which sort of showed he was getting up to speed and getting to grips with what they were doing. And then, yeah, completely reversed the momentum of the whole afternoon with that ball for Son, which obviously led to the penalty and Salusi standing off. And then I thought after the half time, when Southampton stopped pressing and he had space, that's when you know you, you see this kind of other side of his game, which is, as Hunter said, the ability to kind of pick out passes and. and he, he looked the likeliest to unlock a ball to the back post for Doty, which um, it's kind of been forgotten about, but it was a really good chance if Doty had just gone with his, yeah. his left or, or had opened up his body a bit more. And then even the, the cross, which Forster um, spilled into his own net, was was from Winks's ball into the box. So he was the most likely, I thought, to, to unlock Saints. And I think... You know, clearly, Conte doesn't really fancy Ndombele, so Winks is kind of in a position of strength in that he can make himself the kind of most creative option in there, I think. Um, obviously, Winks, sorry, Skip and Hoiber are, are the preferred, seemingly preferred to and add a lot, but I think Winks can add an extra element of, of kind of creativity and, and progressiveness in, in games, I suppose, having the ball. Mm. Do, you, do we think that it was just rotation yesterday? Let us in give people a break. People well, well, I think I think if Wix keeps playing like this and and gets really sharp, then then it can it can be tactical mm. because he can be a different option. Um, and we saw that against Liverpool and against Saints. Um, I don't know if Skip um, is going to end up having a range of passing that that being able to do what Wings kind of did and. and pick those passes but we have seen bits of that from him but I think at the moment if Conte wants someone who's who's going to kind of send Kane and Son free over the top then then kind of winks as a man. Jude is there anyone else that you you picked out yesterday you just thought Sean? Um, I thought I thought Kane was was good again Um, and you know on another day he might have had a couple of goals. Um, I know we're all fuming about the offside one, which, you know, they got the little lines out and, you know, obviously very, very clear for us all to see that he was miles offside. Um, but yeah, I, again, it's, it's <laughs> the sort of um, sort of pattern where, you know, most of the players play well without any real standout performance, which I think has been a, a bit of a... Uh, uh, a consistent feature under Conte so far, but but for Kane to get his third goal in three league games is is another little feather in his cap to uh, you know silence those critics that have been getting on. Yeah, it would have been nice. Just allow goal for Kane, which we may come on to, but I just thought that piece of play was really encouraging because it was just it was vintage Kane, wasn't it? Kind of one touch, second touch, smashed into the corner. It kind of suggested that his rhythm and sort of smoothness is is coming back mm. i always think i always have the panic when we get a penalty because i'm like 
He's got to miss one week. <laughs> one week. He missed for one. England in the big one. Yeah, so it exactly. doesn't matter. And then he scores Especially anyway. At St. Mary's as well, where he yeah. did the, the thing on the spot where he like somehow moved the spot like yeah. all those years ago. And, like, yeah. it into Rose Z. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was that. Uh, and I, I think he missed, I think he missed one where the keeper like went crazy early in an England international as well. Yeah, yeah. That was at it, St. Mary's. It was again just like someone not very good as well right but the keeper just went so early that he was basically <laughs> in the corner <laughs> he's like standing on the yeah. post before he was taking it it was crazy oh yeah i thought he he looks incredibly sharp and and i think he i mean this might just be perception but he looks fit he looks mm. fitter he's running he's harrying defenders and defenses a, a lot more now and he look i mean again this is might just all be like a placebo but he looks leaner already yeah. like he looks like he's actually sort of back to a cane that I recognised from a couple of years ago. Um, I think Dan's absolutely right. The goal that was disallowed, I, I had been thinking five minutes um, before. I just remember when Kane used to get out of his feet and just thump it in from about 20 yards out. And it was so satisfying. And that finish, obviously, although much closer, was so uh, like brilliant. And you always hear players in England and in Tottenham saying that he's the best finisher I've ever seen. He does it so confidently. And I honestly think it's, confidence plays a big part in that because we haven't been seeing that that much recently that finish was so like unerring perfect round the keeper into the corner like very crisp and the touch is i mean taking it with the outside of your boot and putting it into your stride like that that's where you know we as fans watch it and go oh yeah he's good at that but that is incredible it's an incredible bit of skill and it's perfect and, and all in all i just think he looks so interested and at it and it's really 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 positive signs from him yeah, I, I hate the idea of uh, of reading like crazy amounts into body language, but you can see why <laughs> when you make the comparison, his body language at the moment, even after he had the goal disallowed, instantly kind of been like, right, switch on, we go mm. again. Like, do you remember when he had his first goal against Newcastle? Like the, the goal against Newcastle got disallowed, then VAR checked it and it was okay. Yeah. And he sort of like casually lobbed it in. He sort of walked off almost laughing to himself. Yeah. And whereas yesterday it was it was totally different. And yeah, I think he really looks was. he looks a bit revitalized, isn't he? I the, I was kind of hoping that when he made that challenge on Andy Robertson against Liverpool, that wasn't just a, a fleeting moment of um of him being in the belly. Up. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. After scoring. It doesn't look like he's sort of got the bit between his teeth. Yeah, I think this is like the genuine appeal of having a top manager, right? Because although Jose Mourinho people like I think some people at the club bought into it. But as a, as a footballer, as a person, it's going to be really hard to avoid, especially someone like people who speak to people within other clubs and are friends with people within other clubs who would have said, Jose, I'm not so sure about this, Jose. I mean, I don't think he's out. He's not winning anymore, blah, blah. There will be none of that when Conte comes in. It's like, no. yeah, he's just won the league. He just turned around this team. He turns around this team. He turns on this team. It just looks like everyone believes that if they listen to him, they're going to get, they're going to get something or somewhere. Yeah. I'm loving seeing people being like, oh, well, it's almost like coaching is a good thing. Um, <laughs> let's go on to uh, the bad bits. Um, and I, sort of it's almost weird to be doing a bad section considering that he's now gone seven Premier League games undefeated. But mm. a couple of questionable decisions yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if we should start with the questionable decisions, though. I think we should start. I think we should start with the first before the red card. 
I think the I first think, half an hour sort of thing. The first half an hour, I think, is the bad for me. I think Spurs really, really struggled with Southampton's press. And I think the game, the way we set up was very much to sort of allow them possession. But we went 1-0 down. I wasn't massively... Um, I wasn't massively sure where Spurs, how Spurs were sort of going to get a foothold in the game at that point. And I think they were bailed out massively by that by that tackle, which I honestly think is one of the dumbest tackles that I've seen in, oh, in a really that. long time. <laughs> the proper rush of blood to the head. But I, I, I think Southampton need massive credit. Hassan Hootel does have that. He knows how to play a high press. He's very good at it. It sometimes goes terribly wrong for them. Yesterday, they were winning a lot of... Uh, second balls Spurs couldn't play out I thought Hoybier looked kind of uh, sort of deer in the headlights when he was in possession um, and yeah and, and they struggled and I, I honestly think that that's part of the process I'm not going to say it's it's you know that's terrible this is how Spurs are going to play but I think for that first half an hour I was like oh he's going to have to change something at half time and then turns out Southampton made the change for us but that was also the case with West Ham, wasn't it? No, sorry, not with West Ham, but Crystal Palace. We'd had very, very similar setup in that Conte wasn't happy with the first half of an hour. And then when they went down to 10, we absolutely dominated the game. But he, he sort of, I remember Danny sort of specifically pointed out, like even though Spurs had won quite comfortably, he, sort of wanted, he, was, he was at pains to kind of make clear that he hadn't enjoyed the opening period of the game. Yeah, I mean... The, the Palace game felt like a bit turgid to me. You know, I didn't feel like Spurs were creating much, but they had, I think they had a more of a foothold than they did at Saints. I think it really felt like Spurs were just struggling to get into the game on Tuesday at St Mary's. I, I didn't feel like um, Southampton were, were, were letting them settle at all. Um, as Hunter says, which, which is credit to Southampton. Mm. And yeah, and, and maybe that's on. On, on Conte, um, or, or maybe it was just, you know, as, as we said, it's just part of the process and, you know, shows that Spurs are still a, a work in progress, really. I'm sure they'll be better equipped to play that way when they're further along in their development um, under Conte. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if we're going to talk about his decisions, yeah, we, we we can be petty and, and probably question some of them. Um, I wasn't sure about the inverted wing backs in the second half. Um, and, you know, obviously it, I think given their early press and Dombele would have been quite a good player to have on the pitch at the start and, and given their kind of deep defence, he would have been quite a good player to have on the pitch at the end. But I think it's, it's kind of pretty clear that Conte isn't totally sold on him at all. Yeah, I, I was uh, now my colours to the mast. I didn't enjoy the the inverted wing backs yesterday. I struggled with it a lot. I struggled watching Matt Doherty as a as a left wing back, despite the fact that I know people talk up his his ability to do that. I just uh, have really, really enjoyed. I, I I was getting a lot from watching Sesson on before he got picked up his niggly injury. Regulon as well. Um, just. It seems to give so much in terms of his pace on the overlap, but also with a natural cross. And I think as we were shuttling the ball round from side to side, having the inversion meant that we actually made the pitch really narrow and made it really, really easy for Southampton to create that sort of 
two kind of mid and low block, one on the edge of the box and one just in front. And we just kind of horseshoed around it. Mm. But it also is also quite strange in that I didn't feel like Brian Hill or, or, or Doherty were looking to whip crosses in, like really try and like put sort of aggressive far post crosses that can either get a nick from someone or fly in themselves maybe. Actually felt like every time they turned inside, either looking to kind of clip a pass into feet or clip a pass into a central area or just shuffle it along the back line. I think Jude said it earlier on as well. The idea of playing with the three centre-backs is is great, but they're not players in the final third. All three of them, once they got towards the final third, you're seeing them pick up the ball 25 yards out and thinking none of these guys are going to have a shot. And also you sort of don't back them to, to perfect a cross, but I'm being hyper, hyper critical there. I'm, I'm aware of that. Um, I think I think that's fair. I think because just in terms of the flow, if if you're a, if you're an attacker and you're watching your your fullback sort of come onto the ball, you know how to naturally make that run, right? Whereas if the, if both the wingbacks are having to cut back inside, you have to then reset again and sort of make a run and create momentum. And you were seeing a lot of balls sort of stood up where it was basically centre back versus attacker. And we don't like, Harry Kane's good in the air, he's not amazing in the air. And Son isn't good in the air. And Lucas is surprisingly good in the air, but still is a, a man who's five foot seven, five foot six, five foot seven. He's not massive. Um, so yeah, I, I sort of agree. And I would have liked to, I actually think, why weren't we trying it the other way around? We, it sort of happened once, um, but Brian Hill can cut in and shoot that he has that ability. So maybe that was a, a thought, but yeah, it, w- it was becoming slightly repetitive. Um, and I just, I, within that, when the balls were being put across the front post, and I think Spurs have had this problem for a couple of years now, we don't have anyone who sort of makes that run across the front post anymore. Son used to do it quite a lot and got a lot of joy out of it. I can't remember the last time a ball was whipped front post and it was sort of clipped in. And I think uh, Gareth Bale did it when he came. Um, and now he's gone again. Although, well, bring him on. Yeah, like a few years ago, um, like Toby Alderweireld was an absolute fiend for that, wasn't he? Getting mm. across the front post, and like I think mm. Eric Dyer done it a few times as well. And there, when uh, there was one where doing two times, Brian Hill took it onto his right. Obviously, he wants to go onto his left, and he cut it straight across the front post. And all I kept thinking is, Son and Harry Kane were basically standing next to each other, and I, I'm sort of looking more towards Son for this one. Like, get across that front post, make that run, make the defender make a decision to come with you, drag him out of there, because you're rubbish in the, hair, in the air, lad. <laughs> Go and really get it. Well on against Palace as well. Perfect yeah. example, wasn't it, with the Lucas Moore? Well, well exactly, exactly. Front, got his nick there. That was, that was like, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The Brian Hill one where he beat his man and you're just thinking, any quality on that delivery mm. is a real chance. Well, Lucas Moore, imagine, this is my frustration with Lucas Moore. Lucas Moore can get to the line and put across and he's very good at it but we don't allow him to get out there he tried yeah. a, he tried a skill move didn't he right and he like <laughs> knocked it right to the byline by mistake and still scampered onto that it was so it. he did <laughs> and he put in a really good cross he you could hear really the Southampton fans skill move like, <laughs> 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 he kicked it in a direction sure. star skiller. Um, is there anything else that we should we should pop in the bag before we go on to the, the ugly bits I suppose maybe we just touch a little bit on, on Don Bele in this like you said Dan he you kind of feel like if you're not going to get game time there, maybe where are you going to pick up game time? Morecambe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it did It did feel like 
a well it felt slightly significant that the hill was the, the third sub i mean i, I get that why well, the first two um came on uh, i get why lucas and doty came on but i thought he, he might give Ndombele a go at just trying to yeah, unlock that Southampton defence. Um, you know, something he, he, you know, he might have add, added that element of unpredictability. He might have sped up the use of the ball. Um, you know, passed it quicker. Um, so it, it would, you know, it, it would have been interesting to see what he could have done. But if, if you know, it doesn't really feel like Conte particularly fancies him. Um, and then you start to wonder, you know, if Spurs do need to, to raise a bit of money in January, you know, has, has Bergwijn maybe given himself a lifeline? Winks obviously has. Doherty even, um, you know, starting to look useful, mm. perhaps. Um, so is Ndombele, a, you know, a player, if he hasn't got a future under Conte, that, that would be smart to move on and try and raise some money for? And the, the other one, I mean, both these guys brought into basically replaced the creativity of Christian Eriksen, right? And Moose Dembele. And Undombele and Lo Celso. God, Lo Celso is just a, a myth. He's a ghost. Like, and, I, and he was brilliant when he came in. It's so such a shame. Well. It's an such a shame. An injury in the warm down. It's just, killer, it? it doesn't help this sort of perception around certain elements of Spurs fans that he is just like tin pot, essentially. <laughs> But it's such a, I, I was so Weird. excited when we brought him in. And I, I yeah. maintain that for a long time under Jose Mourinho, he's our best player. Um, but it, it's all forgotten now. That's just, And it wasn't even, you know, it wasn't in a team that was performing. So it's yeah, it's tough. But I just, I look around, I think, who are, Sp- who are Spurs' creative midfielder? Who would, and it's Unnumbele, it's sort of Deli Alli to some extent, although I'd say he's more... Who you want to be running onto the creative players pass it, and then it's Jelly Celso and two. You could say three of the three aren't really there at the moment. Yeah, it's been out for almost like two months now, Le Celso. That's just it's not good months, enough, is it? Because yeah. you, know, someone said, you know, if Argentina had a game tomorrow, he'd be there <laughs> on the pitch. Yeah, but uh, with I bells mean, on. He also had the, the the issue with the quarantine in September, didn't he? Yeah. So he missed a month nearly in September. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, less said the better. Um, ugly bits. We've got it because we are, of course, a completely biased podcast. <laughs> got to do the ref decisions on on the on the two goals. So, mm. the I saw today. Did anyone else see this thread today on why the Kane goal was uh, disallowed? No. So the lines apparently weren't touching. So the, the, the two lines, you know, that they've made the lines thicker this year. Mm. So it was apparently about as close as it could possibly be without the lines touching. And so technically it was offside. But for me, I don't know about you guys, for me, that just doesn't, it just doesn't wash. I, th- I really thought we were trying to get rid of this armpit hair offside decisions this year. Yeah, I mean, what was it? Mike Dean's comments were being sort of thrown around again, where they're like, oh, it's not going to be done on a, you know... Uh, on a hair on your face or your toes anymore and it, that's what it felt like more than anything it also i mean i, I don't know it might just be me these I, I fucking hate that we're relying on these lines that are drawn on an image that is just not up to scratch still it's a you know it's a clip from a video that that can't be you know we don't look at when the ball leaves the foot properly we don't look at you know and it's all just a bit of a blur on a screen and we're going yeah that's a Onside, offside, and, and, and in 
years and years of football prior to this, it was always you're supposed to give the attacker the the uh, the advantage because because we want to see goals in football and things like that. And it was just everything about it. even even the fact that it didn't look like they drew the line from the Southampton defender's arm, even though his arm was about another inch to the left of his foot. Just all of that. Anyway, the whole thing I thought was just ridiculous. And and even <laughs> Amazon didn't dare show it for more than like three seconds because they're like, that one doesn't look great. <laughs> it was so annoying. I, God, it's really, really frustrating. And then the uh, the second one was up there dude as well with uh, on the nauseating scale, seeing the way that, that was disallowed. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's not as if Matt Doherty like led with his elbow and caught him in the face or anything like that. I'm, I'm a little more understanding of why that would be disallowed because goalkeepers get a lot of decisions like that. So I, I, as soon as it sort of dribbled into the net, I, I wasn't really expecting it to be given. Um, I think a little bit of you know <laughs> Matt Doherty being a bit of a disaster class since joining Spurs played it <laughs> like no if way he, this if, is... he, if he was England captain he would have got away <laughs> oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. or just Hang like things that are running for him properly so of course that wouldn't be allowed to go in um <laughs> but yeah I mean it's just it's just frustrating just just adding into you know Spurs should be winning and, and they're not and then a decision like that happens and you think that could be given on another day and it just I had Dude, I honestly thought that one was even less, even less excusable than the offside, because at least the offside has is built on in the uh, in the realm of these are the rules. With that one, it was just Fraser. That's terrible goalkeeping. He's just dropped it onto him and then let it go through his legs and go in. And uh, as it's I said to you before, right, like we all know that goalkeepers always get them. You know, it's, yeah, but uh, it's I, the thing isn't it that, that you you can't really expect to challenge them in the air without at least running the risk of giving away a foul. Mm, that's, that's, that's long been a thing. It's, it, it is frustrating because referees should just be, um, you know, to take it on a more case-by-case basis instead of having this weird kind of blanket protection for keepers. I think that's I think that's what annoys me. And this idea that we were supposed to be a little bit harder to give fouls this year. And the fact that when, you know, when keepers catch it above their head, and then there's contact. That's when I sort of understand it because it's put them off balance. He caught it in his chest. And the reason the ball squirms out is because he his momentum takes him into Dotty, who then sort of just the ball ends up squirming between his legs. I just thought it was terrible goalkeeping to us. He got bailed out massively. Yeah, it, it was. I suppose the only thing you might add in there is that we didn't actually create any of a massively clear cut opportunities where you thought, wow, we must score there. Mm. To, to cut. So I suppose Southampton can feel that if the decisions are iffy, then maybe they they just about deserve the point, uh, given the way that they defended. Um, mm-hmm. Let's go on to the beautiful bits. What um, what sort of stood out? Um, I, I suppose Kane. We, we did Kane's touching goals, but as clean as we've seen him finish, annoyingly ruled out. Um, any other things that people really enjoyed? Um- I sort of, I think it's sort of the same things I said before to Ben that I'm just enjoying the fact that defensively I'm not worried I'm not massively worried anymore. It's quite nice sort of trusting the defense we have. Bear in mind we're we're playing defenders who last year everyone dubbed unplayable. Uh, we're also missing arguably our our best defender uh, in, in Romero, um, 
And then the other thing that I just loved is afterwards Conte coming out and just telling it how it is. I just I just love the fact that he just comes out and he basically says, yeah, it's a missed opportunity. I'm not going to blame this. We were, we were foggy minded. That was a great, that, great phrase. And I thought, yeah, that's it. And then he was like, the, the, the players need to move the ball quicker. If we're playing against a team like that, we need to do this. And I'm like, yes, that's it. And as a fan, you know, you didn't get that under Nuno. He was very much nothing about nothing. He's not going to give you anything. And then Marino is just inevitably going to try and protect himself and blame everyone. But the idea that maybe tactically I got it wrong. Whereas with Conte, there's genuine assessment of what just happened on the pitch. And he might give you it for 50 minutes. Dan might ask a three question word and <laughs> talk for an hour and a half. But it's just, even so, it, I, th- I just find it very refreshing. Yeah, he, he, he's, um, he's sort of really giving people a lot to get stuck into as well, which I like. And I also, I really like the fact that I'm I'm excited to watch Spurs v Watford. I'm sort of like roll on the next game, really, really looking forward to it. There was a period under 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 Jose, and there was definitely a period under Nuno where it sort of felt like you needed a bit of time in between games to kind of make sense of what was going on. Whereas now they look so ironed out and in such a good good structure and shape that you're just like right, roll on the next one. Little I think that that's that's a beautiful thing, really. I mean, it's it's just the absence of apathy like that that's all gone now and I think the fact that everyone felt really gutted yesterday or all the Spurs fans you know I was speaking to on WhatsApp or on Twitter were pissed off and thought it was two points dropped and and so did Conte it just kind of shows that people care again Um, and you guys may have covered this in the last couple of pods that I missed but it obviously didn't feel like that just a couple of months ago Mm -mm. Um, and I think you know, it feels like there's there's this stuff on the line now for Spurs. I mean, they they feel like they're in a battle for fourth with maybe United and Arsenal that, that could be really interesting. Um, that's new. That <laughs> sort of stuff to to care about that that really wasn't there before, which is why kind of results like Tuesday ended up hurting. I don't think that would have really hurt under Nuno. It probably would have been quite a good point. Mm. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, that, that that that's a nice position to be in again. And it's all it's all taken under context, right? Because we beat West Ham, and that was that was a very good result. And we com- we comfortably beat Palace, although yeah, they were down to ten men. So he's just sort of it's great. It's you know, like yeah, as Dan said, to not have a, <laughs> to, no apathy. Apathy is is you know the death of enjoying football for for most fans. Hopefully. So it's um, just positive for the plan now, and it's not like a death march where when it was like under Nuno and Mourinho and you're thinking or going into a game thinking what's going to go wrong here because you know <laughs> it's not going to go properly some nonsense mm. will happen um, and we'll lose like 3-0 which is, is what's happened that's what, what happened under Nuno quite a, quite a lot <laughs> what, what do you want to see Jude for, for the Watford games or anyone you'd like to see come in um, I do want, I want I'd like Skippy in there and I'd like Hoybier to maybe be rested in favour of someone else so we can try and be a bit more full throttle um, and build a little quicker than we did against Southampton because I think Skip can be the guy who who hovers up and gets across and um, picks up loose balls and keep things turning over but I'm not sure against a side like Watford who are who are scrapping and from what, I, from what I've seen, people, their fans don't seem to be very confident of their chances of staying up. They seem to think they're absolute 
certs for relegation. <laughs> so it'd be good if we could just move the ball a bit quicker, maybe bring Lucas back into the starting eleven, um, and yeah, just try and try and make a faster start as well because that's been a bit of a, a pattern recently where they don't start particularly quickly and then something goes in their favour and um, and they start to look a bit better. But if they could get bang up for it straight away, that that's what I'd like to see. And some raise on that, Hunter. Well, there's just some some quite interesting stats going around yesterday about Spurs's uh, results without Ollie skipping the team, which I I think it's fairly poor when he's not playing. It's it's just really interesting how vital he's become already. I mean, I know a lot of people were raving about him in the championship, but it's obviously it's a big step up to come into a side like Spurs and sort of make your mark. And I just I've been so so impressed. So. Uh, at every opportunity I want to see him play. And I think Conte's absolutely right not to burn him out. Um, but he's a he's a must for me. In in any best eleven for Spurs now, he's in there for me. Dan, any other players you'd like to see come in? It, it, would, it would be nice to see if if Winks can build on the performance on Tuesday. Um you, you know, he's done it against Liverpool and Saints now, and I think you know the, the next question is: Are these still sort of one-off di- displays, or, or the start of a kind of sustained return to form, and, and the start of him becoming quite an integral part of what Conte is trying to do? So he needs to do it in consecutive games. He needs a little run on the team if we're going to kind of really start changing minds about him. So yeah, that uh, that would be nice. And, and as as the guys said, I think you know as much as I think we all love Hoybier and what he's done recently. He has felt like maybe he could do with a a, a rest um, for, for ages, basically, for, you know, for the best part of six months, I'd say. So having him on the bench for a couple of games, um, you know, I think would be fine. Um, and yeah, and then it would just be interesting to see kind of what shape the team's in going into, or the, or the midfield is in going into that run against, you know, Chelsea, Arsenal, Chelsea, um, which... Yeah, I think everyone's starting to daunting already. <laughs> Don't forget Morecambe. <laughs> Don't forget Morecambe. Never forget Arsenal. Morecambe. Sorry, Morecambe. <laughs> Our Arsenal game comes off the back of that they play City. Yeah. Two legs against Liverpool. Mm. They've got Nottingham Forest away, and then us. But that's going to be a, a hefty one. It's tasty, for us, isn't it? It's tasty. A lot riding on that. Mm. I can't. Remember. What was I going to say? Yeah, Ollie Skip. From Prime Minister, that's all I was going to say. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely stuff to end on. Um, Okay, we'll be back after Spurs play against Watford at some point next week, I'm sure. Um, Looking ahead to a really busy week. Uh, Mm. Chelsea away in the first leg of the League Cup semi-final. Be an interesting one. Interesting to see what side he goes for as well. Uh, Follow the guys on social if you haven't already, and you wouldn't mind subscribing if you haven't already as well. Uh, Drop us a review and a rating. We'll try and get for as many of your questions as we can over the course of the next few days, and we'll see you all next time. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. 
Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.